Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. So today, this is a podcast I've been wanting to do out at this gentleman's house and shoot some film, but he lives kind of far away, and it's like whenever I'm going to go out there, I always cancel on him or it just doesn't work out. Um, but he messaged me today. Scott Hebert and I have been plugging your guys's your guys's yeah. thing going out at Darby mm-hmm. Simpsons. But Mr. Greg Burns, I feel like I've had uh, part of the lumber squatches. I've had Rob on first, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then I had Steve on, and now it's like you know I got to have the founder. Right, you're the founder <laughs> of the lumber squatches. Oh man, is that a fact? Would you say you're the founder? No, no. Who's the founder? Rob of the and I are equal founders. Okay. There's a story behind there. So what? how did the lumber squatches come about? So this is like an Ohio... <clears throat> it is. Permies. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do we really want to call ourselves permies? What do we want to say? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I prefer just to be called a hillbilly myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm in that same pitch. In the most respectful way, of course. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So yeah. So Rob Kaiser and I were, were at PV2 in San Diego. Uh, and so like Rob and I both show up and we're like... Stout, tall dudes, suspenders, beards, like twins, right? The only problem with that, when you go to like San Diego, right? And you're walking around like, you know, pretty liberal folks, whatever. You get this eye like, oh, so you guys are like a couple <laughs> kind of a thing, right? So um, so like after a couple people, at, you know, we're like, oh, so you guys are, and we're like, no, we're not lovers. We're not brothers. Oh, so you're, you're like lumberjacks. You know, because we're like plaid suspenders. And so anyway, so one night uh, we're over at, uh, I can't think of the restaurant, at a a TSP dinner. Yeah. And uh, Byron Joel was was right there. And so he looks at me with these like, you know, Australian beady eyes. You know, he's a good dude. And uh, he's like, so are you guys like, you know, we're just waiting for him to say like lovers or whatever. And uh, Sasquatches. (laughs) And I said, no, lumber squatches. You know, so everyone was calling us lumber, lumberjacks to start with. Then Byron throws out the Sasquatch thing. And then so, uh, so from that point, you know, uh, the, the lumber squatch was born uh, there in San Diego at a, at a PV conference. So, did you get a PV1 as well? No, just, just PV2. PV2. Yeah, I, I didn't, I, was, I wasn't aware of uh, that, all that then. Yeah. So, when did you first find out about permaculture? Mm hmm. That's a long, long story, but uh, the shorter version of that is uh, we decided to make some changes in our family's life uh, to live more uh, self-sufficiently, more resiliently, and um, we were going to make an effort to uh, try to get on, on some land and, and make a stab at some some homesteading. Yeah, and of course, I'm like three generations removed from all of that, so I have like no passed down knowledge. So. Like, you know, where does anyone go for, like, valid, truthful information on how to do stuff? Yeah. Podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, I so, was, I mean, were you listening to Jack Spearcoast no, before you made that decision? None of that. Yeah. I didn't even hear... No, I learned about him, like, way, way after all that. Yeah. It was through, like, another podcast. There was, like, an argument between uh, Paul's guy and, yeah. and, and Jack's guy on, on how to... Actually, it was about Darby. Darby, Darby Simpson, so Darby on Simpson. raising tractors. Yeah, that's how I got. That's how I found uh, uh, of Jack Spirico. But yeah, it was actually through um, a podcast called Chicken Thistle Podcast, and they threw out this guy named Joel Salatin, 
Yeah. And then so I jumped on Joel Salatin and heard this word permaculture, although he's not like a you know self-proclaimed permaculturalist or but he, anything. Pretty much what he does is regenerative agriculture. Well, he does like the old school, I have to survive agriculture, yeah. which is like the, back in the day. That's what I'm you know, really more interested in learning and, and uh, you know, uh, tapping into than, than kind of what's going on now in, in the permaculture realm. But anyways, so that's how I, I heard the permaculture word. And, uh, and then from there, like everything kind of changed because from there I heard, uh, the word permaculture. And then, so I Google that and podcast that and come across, uh, Diego and the permaculture voices podcast. And it was from, it was from there. It was like everything changed because then it put me on a spiral of one thing after another. It was like exactly what I was looking for. Um, you know, cause a lot, a lot of the nuts and bolts of permaculture is, you know, of course, you know, caring for the land, caring for ourselves. But doing it in a way where we can keep caring for the land and caring for ourselves, and that was a huge. That's like the foundation for homesteaders, right? Like we have to be able to keep doing this so we can keep doing this. Pretty simple, absolutely. You know, so that's how we kind of. That's how I caught that bug, um, as far as the permaculture thing goes, and you know that goes down a whole rabbit hole full of like crazy dudes to me at the time, like Mark Shepard, which then took me to the next level of like yeah. of actually. Um, being that change that I wanted to see. Yeah, which is uh what uh the Dalai Lama says, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty interesting, man. I I'm the same way. I uh it's weird like I I always already like a anarchist type, but I think you know my family, I'm actually only one generation removed. Mm. Like we were, we were talking before we recorded like my grandpa um even to this day like he's like so excited what I'm doing now. Because it's like, oh, it only took you thirty years to figure it out, but but I'm glad you finally Yeah. The torch he, is passed, he used to yeah. tell me like you're a hillbilly in denial. Right. Like and he yeah. I remember I, I would you know, I I went up to actually University of Toledo to be closer to him and I remember uh he would teach me like actual skills, like he would make me just change tires on his like just his all of his vehicles because that's mm. how you could tell a hillbilly's wealth. Right, how many cars? How many he stacks has. of tires? Yeah, yeah. Next yeah. to the cars, yeah. So he just had me change tires, just so I knew how to jack up a car and change wow. tires. And then uh, I till his garden. Like it's weird. Like now, what I know about gardening, I realized he was kind of messing up with gardening. But like he actually ran irrigation from this creek that was ran on his property, and um, and he always had a garden. He always had fruit trees. He always had like he has maple trees. He never knew how to tap them. Um, but when I told him that next year i wanted to tap all of his trees he got excited about it so nice and i think i think i'm similar man like i don't i think permaculture is cool and i think the idea is cool but it's it's like you know it's it's way more to me about being self-sufficient and gaining skills and resilience um for me it was uh i was reading this blog off of zero hedge my friend charles hugh smith who i have on the podcast regularly this guy I've had on the podcast as well, this guy Marvin, he had posted this thing. It was like the stages of resilience. Mm. And it was like, man, like I, I say I'm this anarchist or that I don't believe in government, but I mean, can I really survive without it? Like, am I really to a point to where I know how to do these skills or get these skills to be on my own and survive? Right. Or am I just wow. am I just a chess pounder? Am I just somebody that wants to because for a long time, man, I think I would say I was libertarian mainly just to, to, just to be a contra, like just a contrarian, a contra- yeah, a yeah, contrarian, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was fun, and it was like a, a way to troll people. 
But then it was like, you know, like I really do care about freedom. And I think it was like a way to be a point. But then it was like, man, these elections are stupid. They don't get anything out of them. Like right now, Donald Trump's the most entertaining. So he's probably going to win. And it's just like, well, that's just how it is. Like he's, it's like we've, we've elected the most entertaining president probably since JFK. And so it's, it's, it's all, it's really all nonsense. So it's like, it's interesting to hear you tell your story. Cause we've been meeting to like meet up right. for, yeah. I don't know, man, I'd say almost over a year. Right. And it's like, cause I think we became Facebook friends like for a year. And, um, but, um, anyways, before I just, what you guys don't know is, Greg brought some of his delicious mead, and I may have had a couple glasses. So if I start, <laughs> if I start rambling a little bit uh, or getting into stuff, it's yeah. because it's it's some pretty good stuff. Um, but anyways, and also I want to shout out your delicious bacon. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. So we mixed your bacon with our eggs, right? And then we used delicious. some of my vegetables, right? And uh, it was a good it was a good dinner we ate. Great. I'm pretty happy. Uh, so, but anyway, so. You go down this path, you're you're saying, you know, I want to be more resilient. Like, I want to learn how to kind of live off the land. I want to do this. And you're living in a very nice suburb of, in Columbus, which right. is Gahanna. Yeah, we're actually in Blacklick. So you're in Blacklick. The which country is, version of Gahanna. The, yeah, it really is right. the country version of country Gahanna and, mm-hmm. and Reynoldsburg. Like, just, yeah, yeah it's just north of Reynolds. Like, yeah. my friends... South South New Albany, north North Reynolds. Yeah. yeah like, my friend, my one friend from Cambridge lives in Blacklick. Mm-hmm. My other friend that's from Reynoldsburg that used to live in Cambridge also, like, they, they both went to Muskingum. They both live in Blacklick now. And, oh, yeah. And we'll shout out Dustin Thompson, man. He's, yeah, he's that's out right. There, he's, rock, he's in he's Blacklick. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Actually, my one buddy where I had Grant's Trees delivered to is, like, literally Dustin's neighbor. That's it's crazy. So, yeah, it's so funny, man. But, uh... Anyway, so you're in Blacklick. Right. And what makes you make this life transition? Like what 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 was it, what were the steps that you took? Because now you live out beyond Zanesville, right? Out in like, Zanesville, yeah. yeah. But it's we, like country Zanesville. Yeah, we not. moved from like uh the suburban HOA to like literally the rural FFA country. Yeah. You know? So uh yeah, so uh me and my wife, uh we were high school sweethearts, got married right out of high school. Uh, we've been we've been married for 15 years. Uh, had our first son a year later, um, and uh, started raising a family. Uh, back in the day, uh, I was a musician locally. Uh, cut some like underground albums, and like I thought that's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life and be married and do that. What um what instrument did you play? Uh, then uh, mostly guitar. Um, like now I can play a little of everything, and the cool thing about that is it's just one of those things where. Uh, fast forward a whole bunch of years. Now we have seven kids, yeah, and a lot of them are just like musically inclined. They just yeah. they pick anything up, they play. So, you know, we have a, a basement full of everything, and uh, it's it's a so cool. You're gonna thing. start your own bluegrass band with your family. Yeah, front, be like the, the front porch boys. Yeah, be like the Delma Curry band. That's right. Yeah, buddy. Because that's his whole yeah. family, man. Yeah, so. yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So man. we so yeah. So you know what what made that change was was kids. Yeah. You know, once you realize life's not about you. Yeah. Um. You know, like outside of the personal ego trip, right? But life's not about you because now your entire being is based on uh, not just like keeping these little critters alive, but yeah. like enriching their lives uh, and and being a part of that change to like make the next round have a better chance at being yeah. better than where we currently are. Yeah. And so, like, the more kids that we we had and and started to raise, and we had we had the backyard and gardens, raised boxes. 
you know, we were doing like companion planning stuff. It was just like whatever. But yeah. we were like so many generations removed from like the farming knowledge. We were we did the best that we could with it. Well, we got to a point um, to where we bought a piece. We bought five acres out in Zanesville. Uh, like man, it's been probably eight years ago, um, and it was just a playground. But we just said, hey, let's like turn that playground into a place where we can like grow food for our family. And so we started like to put some steps into place and start to do some um, some of that activity, which is right about the time. And was this in Blacklick still? No, no. So okay. we, yeah, we 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 lived in Blacklick. Okay. Uh, we're, we're we're gardening in the backyard, you know, raising yeah. food there and stuff. But you know, we we couldn't have chickens. We you know, we, there was only so much you can do. Surprisingly, with a large Dustin and said family. you can actually have ducks in their neighborhood, but you can't have chickens, which is crazy because like we were it's so we were like so close neighbors. Yeah. We were like could have probably ridden bikes. We Anyways, but uh, that's weird. That's that's another, you know, I'm so uh, blessed to be in the position where I can look back on that and be thankful that, like, I can we can do the things that we want to do with our life on our terms. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, for me, a lot of, you know, to be honest, a lot of what we do is, you know, we're not, like, um, anarchist to the point to where we're, like, the typical what people think like pipe bombs and doing this crazy stuff, but we we don't want to be beholden to uh, people telling us how we're supposed to live our life. Yeah, and to me, it's not anarchist; it's just a, a name we can throw on it. Uh, contrarian, I think, is more appropriate. Yeah, uh, but it's more so like I'm responsible for my life. Yeah, let me make those choices and and stay out of how I raise my family, how we educate our family. Um, and how we, we we live our life, and so that's getting back to the old school way, which to me excites me. That, that's what I love to learn, uh, and we are building those skills uh, more so than like it, it's easier to initially get into uh, that mindset by like having a name like permaculture to jump into. Yeah, right. But for me, it's like I want to go deeper than that. Like I want to go the old school way of of like self sufficiency. Yeah. Okay. And, and because back in the day. You know, if you did things wrong and you destroyed the land, you can't care for yourself. And if you destroyed the land, you can't care for yourself. You're not going to do it again next year. But if you care for the land so you can care for yourself, there's going to be a surplus or a profit that you can put right back into the system to do it again next year. Absolutely. Then you can teach your kids that. And then they can do that for their next years. So um, as time went on and we started to see how – uh, our society around us was developing. We said enough's enough. We, we've got to do something uh, to live life more in our terms. So uh, we started making some efforts to grow things, raise produce um, in Zanesville on five acres that we had bought, and um, it was just it worked. And we had you know we we put in some like typical cliche like newbie permaculture stuff, yeah, which are actually still rocking and rolling, but like these massive uh, hugel swales and, and, and things of that nature, right? Which is like a whole other podcast of, yeah. of, 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 um, of controversy, right? But, yeah. um, but anyways. Jeff, Jeff Pittman, or not Jeff Pittman, Jeff, uh, it's a different listener. Jeff Powers has big-ass hugel swales in his backyard. Oh, yeah. He's got an acre, and it's they look, awesome. they're doing great. Like he's, he's like he's like, try this. What do you think that is? It was garlic. Yeah. And then like, and it was like he just took it from the grocery store and threw it in the hugel swale, and it was right. good to go. They're they're uh, they're they're amazing growing produce, um, and they're also amazing groundhog homes. You yeah. just have to learn how to manage that. Um, 
But uh, like in our first year, we grew a thousand pounds of produce. That's crazy. On these two, you know, they're like they're pretty huge. They're like five feet tall, you know, up to like six feet wide with a nice uh, wide swale in front of them, you know. But we had a bunch of logging waste, so we dug it out, keyed that in, built the mounds on top of that with the swale in front um, on a hillside. Um, what what you can grow with some like simple old school irrigation techniques like that. We have trees. The, the, the ultimate idea for that for us is just to be a, a fertile uh, area where we can grow annuals uh, while the perennials are taken up size. And then once the perennials set foot and take on, you know, whatever happens to those mounds, we could doze them off, uh, use them as topsoil, whatever. It's just it's 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 a it's a means to the long term end uh, for the fruits and nut trees and, and all that. But um, yeah, so anyways, we just we started making uh, moves to get our family in a position where we could provide more of our regular needs, food needs. Um, and then, you know, kind of one thing led to another. And we said, eventually, uh, right before we decided to make that move, um, we were going to sell the property, you know, because we were just four-wheeling, just, you know, whatever. And so we were thinking, well, what if we just sold it and f- found some cheaper property somewhere else? We could actually have more acreage, you know, five acres is, is, is a lot of property, right? But when you have a huge family, you can only do so much. You, you can do a lot there, but whatever reason, true or false, it was like, if I had 10 acres, then I could make a go at homesteading on this property. And um, so anyways, to make a long story short, this property came up for sale behind us. And um, we ended up uh, buying that piece. So we had like a 10 acre parcel. And um, then we really started to take, and I started learning about like Mark Shepard's work through the Permaculture Voices podcast. And so we were like full on. I, uh, me and my wife went to a Mark Shepard workshop. I followed Mark around the country for a couple more workshops and everything all of a sudden clicked. Like, okay, this is what we need to do with the, with our life. And um, so we put a bunch of those systems in place, you know, permaculture, perennial orchard type systems um, with the long-term goal of, um, you know, planting those trees not necessarily for us but for our grandkids like the old the old greek proverb you know a, a society grows great when when old men plant trees under the shade they know they'll never sit under and so it's, it's a pretty cool thing especially when you have like y- our young kids planting yeah these trees so society can grow greater you know when when younger men you know which is the opposite this. of our society now totally opposite yeah it's not if you need a, a right now fix for no. everything and planting an apple tree Everything is about enslaving the youth. It is. Like, yeah. whether it be debt or anything, it's like, well, that's right. going to be their problem. Yep. And it's uh, yep. it's very, it's like, it's just adult children. It's like very much so adult children. There's no wisdom to anything that we're doing in society. Anyways, keep no, going. No, but that's, that's, um, that's, that's a big reason why we, we took, I mean, this sound, it, it sounds absolutely crazy to say we took our lives in our hands. Yeah, like that sounds. You just bet on yourself, though. That was it. Like, it. You're like yeah, we put ourselves it. out there. Like we were the ones to lose if it failed. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's it's that's for a lot of folks extremely, uh, like mortifying. Yeah. To think about because you know we we were products of how we were raised. We're yeah. products of, of of our uh, of our culture, how things are moving in in society. Yeah. And we're you know we're at one point in time we thought we were living the dream by having. You know, uh, a new built house, two cars in the garage, a double cut backyard, some raised beds. Like that was the American dream. And it is for most. 
Yeah. And that's totally cool if that's your dream. Until you realize it's a nightmare. Until you realize <laughs> that instead of the – we didn't buy into the American dream. We yeah. bought into the American scheme. Yeah. And you realize, oh, well – Look at all these systems that are put in place to make us think that this is what we actually want in life. Yeah, go to college, get a good job, get yeah. good benefits, yeah. all that bullshit. Take on the mortgage, double car payments, and realize yeah. that you're, you're, you're poor, you're slaves. You know, you can't afford to do anything because of this debt you incurred to be happy. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, yeah, so enough was enough. We got out to the land, um, started making some moves out there, and... Um, when you once you put yourself out there and you take those steps forward, like things start to happen that yeah. is way outside of you and I. Absolutely, you know to say it's God, the universe, however you want to spin that, it makes a difference on 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 actually moving forward and doing those things. Yeah, and um, you know it, it's it's tricky though because you want to do all these things and 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 make these changes in your life and it's like where do i start how do i get going you know it's 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 really tricky but you just got to get started though that's the get, biggest yeah, thing you just, just do you it start doing it just and then it. you'll figure out quickly yeah what what you want to do what you don't want to do like we were talking about before like farming versus permaculture or homesteading homesteading or and, backyard it, and it's gardens, yeah and it's yeah. and it's like that's a that's a weird thing. I mean, we, we were talking about the idea of like, well, what what do we actually want? And it's like, like for me, I want to be able to replace. I want to be able to make a living to where it's it's a it's part of the enterprise for right. me. It's part of like it's going to be a backbone for entrepreneurship. And also, it's it's to me, it's it's cool. Like I, sometimes I feel like I'm really motivated about being cool or doing cool things right because it's like it's something that removes the scariness of betting right. on yourself yeah. and like it's like yeah i just think it's cool and if i do it well i'll be really cool be cooler and it yeah it yeah. sounds really stupid but it's yeah. like an easy way to take pressure off yourself and it's like right. and it's like humor's humor does that too but i i just always thought it'd be cool to grow my own food and uh and then to really uh, do it well, and it, and it's been fun, man. Like it's it's fun, you know. Like I've been in sales for a while for me personally, so like um, getting that first restaurant sale was was exciting to me. Oh yeah, like it was like a big adrenaline like, rush. Doing it, yeah, yeah doing it, it happen. Like, yeah. yeah, and it was like and it, it worked out well. And I got the first farmers market Saturday, and nice. I'm like, I don't have everything I need, but I, I'm gonna have an I'm gonna have enough. I'm right. gonna have enough, and then I can hustle it that first week, and then. I don't have like a sign or anything. I went in Curtis's course and I was looking, I was like, oh, I didn't really review this as I should have. So, but it's, it's different. Like I, I was talking to you, like, cause you have delicious pork, but it's not like you're doing Darby Simpson, large scale pork, but you're like, it, mine's already sold. Yeah. So how did you, how did you go about getting customers? Like, cause you said you didn't force it. It just I think happened. It's the, yeah. I mean, I think it's the honest story of what we're doing. Like we're, yeah. we're like, we're. Yeah. Cause actually the guy that owns that restaurant. I've known since I was 17, and I had no idea. I knew I wanted to sell at that restaurant because I liked it. Yeah. But then it turned out I knew the owner, which right. was even – it go. there's this – have you ever heard the story Acres of Diamonds? No. So um, Earl Nightingale, um, he, 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 he did – like when I, when I first got into like betting on myself, new business, I was in like 
you know, network marketing kind of stuff. And like, I lost a bunch of money, but I, I learned a lot and it, and I really started learning about like, you know, personal growth and self-development. So I started listening to this guy, uh, Earl Nightingale and he wrote, he had one audio thing. It was the, the greatest secret um, ever told. And it was pretty much, you know, what the movie, the secret mm-hmm. was based off of, but mm-hmm. it was more realistic. We talked about this thing called acres of diamonds and basically Acres of Diamonds is a short story about this guy that has all this land, but he he gets the the you know the the diamond like diamonds were getting big then, and he kind of gets the urge to go like the itch to go find diamonds. So he sells all of his land and spends all of his money, and he dies not finding any diamonds. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the guy he sold his land to is going into one of the streams, and he notices like just acres of diamonds. And so the whole point of the story is is that those acres of diamonds that you're looking for are right underneath your nose and you're just not looking at them. Right. And so and and to me that's that's what it's always been. Like everything you need is in that that loose social network of people that you know. So it's maybe maybe it's not my the people I know, but maybe it's somebody that you know. And like it's so it's that sort of thing. So um that's I guess that's the basis of it, and I don't know if that's how you sold your meat, but I'm assuming maybe it worked out that I way. Mean, I think um, we, um, whenever we try to sell something, it fails miserably. When we don't try to sell anything, and people want it, it's a done deal, you know. So I think our story of just being a um, a family who's getting out of the suburban yeah. society um trying to live life uh differently uh by a different set of rules that attracts a lot of folks who want to do that um whether they can get there or not in their lifetime who knows um but people will uh will bet on you yeah with cash yeah right They'll they, they want to support you doing, because yeah. they see uh they see themselves in you and i love that you know um, it, it, so, I mean, is it mainly strangers or is it people that you know that you're both. selling to? Yeah, both. A, lot, a, lot of, a lot of it's just word of mouth. You so, know? so it is, though, just kind of what I said. Like, it's it's people you know and then the people that they know they that know. you don't know. Yeah, you get in their, like, really close, tight-knit circles. You know, your, your your degrees of separation are, like, closer than you would actually think. Yeah. You know, we, we, we I mean, we, we did sell – I don't know if I should say this or not. I'm not sure what the Ohio pork laws are. Uh we have sold pork uh, yeah. to some distances, uh, and and uh, allegedly out of Ohio. Yeah, um, because of the story. Yeah, you know, it's just we we're, we're, we're a regular family. We're raising a lot of kids uh, on the land, uh, living life a different way. Yeah, and people want to support that because people see how genuine that is. Yeah, um, and you know, we're not we're, we're like like I said, we're nothing. We're special in my eyes. It's, it's my family. Yeah. But we're no different than 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 ninety nine percent of most families out there. Yeah. Right. You're just you're just betting on yourselves. That's it. And people are betting on you by by supporting what you're doing because yeah. it, it it gives them hope that hey, if these guys can do it, I can do it too. Yeah. Rob said. I remember Rob said something because I hadn't met and we've been like I I think I I talked to you first before anybody else and. uh when I was hanging out with Rob at PV3, I was like, um, yeah, so, so you know, Greg has pigs. 
And I was like, so is he, has he done pigs before? He goes, no. He just did it. He just got pigs and figured it out. He's like, I really respect him for it. But he has, he has zero experience with doing any of that stuff. Any of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I never had any experience of being a husband until I got married. Yeah. I never had any experience of being a father until I had kids. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's one of those things where there there is such a ridiculous stigma that um, you have to go to school for 18 years and then 40 years later, you're good enough at something that you can say, hey, I'm a podcaster. I'm a pork raiser. I'm a farmer, if you want to use that word, you know, but um, yeah, we didn't have, we there's nothing that I've ever done in life that I knew how to do before I did it. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a matter of just having enough balls to do it. Right. Or just, you know, you it's, it's okay to be afraid. I mean, there's, there's, there's things that I'm afraid of. Right. Yeah. But you have to get over yourself. Yeah. Right? And, and you have to, you put yourself out there and do it. And once you start doing that, you, you develop a, a, a systems uh, pattern of thinking where it's not so much, whining or saying i don't know how to do this i'm, I'm afraid i'm scared yeah. this isn't going to work for me it's like okay how do i make this happen yeah what do i have to do to get to from point a to point b yeah you know and sometimes you get to point a and a half and you realize you know what i don't want to be in point b absolutely you have, to, you have to know when to drop back and punt and 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 be cool with that but you know with with folks and with this you know we've we've been now been been on the homestead slash farm for a little over a year now and we've 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 done a crazy amount of things, which is not for everybody so, to do. So so getting this five acres in Zanesville and then purchasing the additional five acres, this all happened within the last year. Uh, yeah, yeah. We went to a Mark Shepard workshop, and, and then, then our our everything changed. It was like me and my wife knew we had to be there. We weren't really sure why. We thought maybe it was so we can develop our little family orchard. Yeah. And then uh, you know things happened. You know, yeah. and we learned you know, some things about business structure and business finances, which were com- completely contrary to what we thought. And you've been self-employed. Right. The over whole time a decade. Too. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, so I, so there's, that's a different set of thinking to start with, you know, cause yeah. you are responsible for feeding your kids. You know, there, there, there is no handouts. You're the one get to bring the bacon home literally, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's cool that we can do it in the backyard now. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, uh, but it, we, so what we did is, uh, we ended up, uh, a house came up for sale two driveways down from this 10 acre parcel that we had. It was a house on five acres. And, uh, my wife went up there. Um, she visited the house. Um, she, she put her hands on it, had a firm belief that was going to be our house and, you know, being self-employed, uh, and, and financing land. Yeah. For houses is is nearly impossible. Yeah. Right. So the fact that she went up there and and uh, you know put herself out there that this is going to be our house yeah. was like okay well, all right it will be, all right. So we we believed in it. We put our we put ourselves out there to do that. Well, we went to that Mark Shepard workshop and that last piece of the puzzle was him. And we we learned how to 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 move our equity from those two other parcels as collateral to the bank being self-employed with no money down and bought that property wow. with the house on it. That moved us from the suburban HOA to actually living on the homestead and farm to actually start living the life that we dreamed of living for all those years. Yeah. And it was, it's, it's been, it's been a 
crazy, crazy ride. Yeah. Uh, from that point in time all the way to being the first uh, generation in like three generations, maybe even f- no, maybe even four generations to actually give birth to kids on the farm. Our twins are almost a year old. She had those at home. Did you guys have a midwife come out? Yeah, or? we did. Yep, yep. So the last uh, midwives you can't even find it anymore. Right, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. We have, we have some great ones. There's a great circle of uh, of, of midwives in our area. Um, so it, it it was it was awesome. So yeah, we're like you know I've gone back to like um, you know a lot of people would look at that as like going back in time um, and and you know put their nose at it, but we're going back to like a simpler way of life, so we can really appreciate how grand life is by living yeah. simpler. So okay, so you're on this um, you're on this property. You have this property. You you leave Mark Shepherd's. You're you know you get the ten acres. You got the house. You you start producing the raising these pigs, and then you know it's coming early spring, and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna have a butchering workshop. <laughs> so yeah. what like what makes you want to do that? You've never butchered pigs before. I mean, I, I've spent years and years and years butchering lots of other animals. Yeah, so yeah. for me, From it was like, and stuff like, how do that. I not screw the bacon up? Yeah, because that's the weird thing that I learned from Joel, because Joel raised his own pigs, like Joel Salt and uh-huh. Sal, like yeah. a couple of years back, and he was like, "Yeah, I, I wanted ribs and bacon." They said, "You can't, you can't. It's one or the other." Yeah, you, you don't go to butcher and get fresh side bacon, which is, is, is just the bacon meat itself yeah. that hasn't been smoked or cured. You can't do that unless you cut up your own pig. Or you have a butcher who are, is butchering fresh cuts. Yeah. But, you know, most of the time they're not keeping those kind of cuts because they don't keep that long. And most people don't even know what that is unless you're from the old school. You know, then you do. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we started off uh, raising uh, uh, ducks and chickens for meat and for eggs. And... Um, like, you know, one thing led to another, and we had a bunch of hogs that we brought in um, and raised them out like, you know, like straight up what we had learned from, from Mark Shepard. You know, he doesn't run 100 hogs, yeah. you know, but he runs hogs in a perennial system where they're a part, an integral part of the system, right? You know, yeah. and, and they're, 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 they're foraging off all the fruit and nut mast. Well, one thing we have on that property is just an abundance of of nuts berries too yeah uh, but, a lot, but a lot of nuts it was that it was already there when you purchased it or oh yeah use... we were talking you know a lot of these areas you know 80 year old red oak white oak trees beech trees walnuts um so we have like the most excellent pig feed falling from trees yeah which is like you know would, would a pig rather put its head into a feeder or out of your bucket or like you know forage root through the ground and grab acorns and nuts I mean, when you watch a pig work, like that's where a pig is happiest. Probably snakes too, if they find them. Yeah, I don't know. Probably, I'm not sure. Mark Shepherd said. Mark Shepherd said he liked the snakes because they kept all the all the mice away and all the rodents away. But then ah. the pigs started eating all the snakes, so we had mm. to get cats. Had to get cats. Yeah. yeah, cats are all great for that. <laughs> but yeah, it's just one of those things, man. Where um, even in like, you know, um, so I work off the farm. Yeah, not all my income comes from the farm. Um, and getting into that business, I learned from my dad, and I'm a third generation doing this, uh, my current profession. Um, there's no textbooks on how to do what I do for a living. We had to figure it out, uh, found the niche market to do it, provide that service. It's no different than not knowing how to raise turkeys or meat birds or pigs or having a dairy cow. It's yeah. a mindset. 
That, that, that's all that it is. Once you have the mindset, you put yourself out there and make those things happen. So we, we went from raising some uh, some ducks and chickens for meat and for eggs uh, to like uh, paddock shifting hogs through the woods. Um, and so like the next like logical step was like, well, we're already butchering like the ducks and chickens when we need them. Like, why aren't we doing pork? Yeah. Um, so pork has a, a stigma to it because it has bacon Yeah, and a Boston butt. And also, too, the anti-saturated fat movement really put a damper on pork. I think they're for a little bit, yeah, know, right? And that's already came back as like, oh, no, bacon's like the healthiest thing in the world for you, right? Well, yeah, but it's but then there's like the gray. There's like the... It the, always is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's truth in both things. Yeah, I don't think, you know, our folks that we sell to and that we work with, our farm friends, uh, man, I don't, you know, they're... I'm not sure that they're even worried about saturated fat. But the difference being, like, we don't raise conventional uh, feedlot hogs. Yeah, yeah. Like, they... They literally get between between three and four pounds of grain, non-GMO grain a day, and they, they work for the rest of their diet. Like the bacon that we had tonight versus the store-bought pastured pork. Which was actually pretty good store-bought bacon. Like right. I, I used Lucky's right. Bacon, which yeah. you guys don't have Lucky's. It's out of Colorado. It's a great grocery store. Yeah. Like they, that, um, was the, that, that Lucky's Bacon was the best store-bought bacon yeah. that I ever had. Yeah, but it got crushed by your bacon. Well, I'm partial. Your... You know, my bacon's the best bacon I ever my gums ever met. I'm gonna just say, like, eating your bacon, like it was delicious, man. Like it was like it was like I've been wanting good fresh pig source, but it's it's hard to find people yeah. that know how to raise pigs. Well, when then once you find those, you know, most folks who are raising like like we do, ours is what we consider beyond organic, forest yeah. raised, non GMO grain when they get grain. Yeah. That quality of pork, you're you're getting flavor profiles and nutrients. You won't find in a store, you know, no. hands down, because of their diet primarily. Yeah, and also you're not gonna get you. It it's not cost effective for somebody that raises a pig like that to sell it to a grocery store. Yeah, no, there's no way. There's no, no. way you could make the money back on it to to do that. And that's honestly. where you get into a tricky line of scalability. Yeah, in your system, right? So we can go from raising thirty hogs a year to three hundred hogs. The three thousand hogs, if we want to, yeah. right? Uh, but what does that mean for your market and what you're providing? Yeah, you know, craft beers is, is a huge thing, still is, and it will be for a while. Yeah, you know, twenty six breweries now in Columbus. Yeah. is it, is it arrogant to say that that we raise craft meats? It, it sounds silly. No, but that's really what you're doing, though. But like you know, we are. Joel Salatin has already you know uh, talked about that. Everyone on the world. Has already talked about that, but I mean, if we're not letting our animals be their pigs, their own animalness, like what are we doing? You know, yeah. There's, I'm sure there's there's circumstances where you have to um, exercise um, an alternative practice. Cats are running around. Cats the house. are running. Yeah, that's cool. They're playing around the house. Nice. My, because, because your situation, you might have to do things a little bit different than you want to. Yeah. Right. You you have to be smart enough to to see that and adapt, improvise. Right. Um, you know, but for us, you know, we, we raise a small number of hogs, yeah, you know, less than a hundred a year. You know, we can go out, we can scratch their ears, we can rub their bellies, we can get to know them as much as we possibly can, yeah. right? Without being like, you know, uber, like, oh, I'm so sad to see them go, and 
Yeah, that's you, you do have some of that, but yeah, but I mean, you, you love them, you love your picks so much that you're raising them with love for your own food. I mean, it's like that's right. If you don't want to cultivate that relationship with your food, I mean, it's easy to do that to your vegetables because it, your vegetables to you don't have personality, but it's a, it's no different. Like I love my vegetables, that's why I, I want them to look good, but I'm going to enjoy eating them. Right. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have a personality or anything like when that. When you look your hog in the eye, yeah, um, and you have a rifle pointed just above its eyeballs, um, and you know you're about to end that pig's life, and you squeeze the trigger, and then you put a, a knife in it to juggler to bleed it. It gets real quick. Yeah, you know. You 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 are taking your family's nutrients in your own hands by taking the life of that animal, right? Yeah, that that, that is a massive responsibility. Yeah, that because you don't you don't want that meat to go to waste. No, and yet you want to do it in a way where that pig has one bad second. Yeah, you know, and which is weird because Whole Foods think it, thinks it's like more more uh, humane to gas their meats, which is oh, that's that's crazy. Yeah, people don't know. Like it's. I mean, when you, yeah. So, yeah. So, like, sure. I knew how to to, to butcher animals. You know, to butcher a pig is, you know, it is like a big deer, but it's not because you have valuable cuts on a pork that you don't have on a whitetail. Right? Yeah. Um. So you you want to be a little bit careful with that. So, I'm all about partnering with folks who excel in what they do. Yeah. Like, um. I didn't start a podcast today to make a podcast, right? I got <laughs> yeah. with you yeah, because you have a great podcast. You are great Thanks, at man. what you do. Appreciate that. You know, there's there's areas of our enterprises that we're great at that other yeah. people don't do. Um, so at a Mark Shepard workshop, we met Andy and Katie Lane, who have a farm, Han Hewn Farm here in Ohio as well. And they are charcuterie experts. I'm not. I don't have that passion to... Uh, turn ham and bacon and jaws into things like guanciale and pancetta, right? But they do, and that's awesome. So we got we got together with them and said, hey, we want to do a butchering workshop. Yeah. We don't know how to do those things. Let's work together and provide that kind of a workshop. Yeah. So we put, we, we put together a workshop where it was from, from the kill um, all the way to, uh, to, to butchering the animal. So... It's it's one of those things where it's it's scary for a lot of homesteaders. Even still, they might even raise their own pork and they might raise their own poultry. Yeah, but they don't know how to get it from pasture to plate. Yeah, right? so they take it to the processor and, and. Well, even even Darby said him and his wife butchered all those chickens that one day, and they're like, "Yeah, we never want to do that again." But right. we're glad we did it for the experience. Right. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's different for everybody. You know, like like last week, we had an old old hen fest. Right, so we had 15 hens and a duck. It was time for them to go. Yeah. So we got all the equipment out. We ran them through the rig, and put delicious meat in our freezer. You know, so um, it's 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 learning those skills and those old time ways that like you don't have to be an expert at that. Just do it, and then share that with folks. Yeah, absolutely, man. So so that's what you guys did. So. Um... We were doing this workshop. You got with them to come, and then you had yeah. Rob. Rob came and he did his barter. 
Yeah, Rob came. We had a barter blanket. We had we had forty folks. And our Kurt Henry did his Kurt classic. Henry, yeah, he, I'm gonna he's an buy. Instigator. You got to watch I'll, out for that. I'm gonna Kurt. buy everyone booze because I don't drink. Kurt but it's is, fun it, to watch Kurt, people get Kurt drunk. Kurt is actually what got us into the pork business. Really? Yeah. So we're sitting at PV2. Um, I think it was it was the Grant Schultz Pete Allen talk, and he sits down next to me and says, uh, "So I want to buy my pork off you this year." <laughs> right? I can never even raise pork. Yeah. I don't know how to raise pork. And I was like, yeah, sounds great. Like, can I pay you now? I was like, no, yeah. you can't pay me now. I got to keep this animal alive long enough to get to butcher weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? um, so, you know, he, he, it's funny. He had, he had that confidence in Kurt's me. A good dude, man. And, and he, he, he set me up. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I called my wife and said, hey, uh, well, I guess we were our first pork customer. You know, and um, so it, it gave us the confidence that we needed that someone believed in us and what we were doing, um, you know, to, to move that forward. And it was it was actually, you know, we weren't even raising pork. You know, we were getting out to that. We at, at, at PV2, we hadn't even moved yet. Wow. You're still in black. Right? Yeah. Right. So we were, we were just closing and moving on the house right after that. Um, and uh, so anyways, um, so to have somebody believe in you and support you is is I mean, it, it's it's amazing. You know, yeah. whatever that it is, and uh, and he was that for us, and uh, got us going, um, got us going down that road. So he was there at the workshop. I mean, you meet so many the the, the community aspect of of doing these kind of things is it sounds silly, but it, it's it's worth so much more oh, than, yeah, the, than, than the monetary capital that you get from it. Yeah, I, I tell you what, my podcast got a lot more interesting, and it was way more exciting for me to just meet like regular people that were just fucking betting on themselves and doing right. shit yeah. like getting shit done and it and yeah. it was like uh you know it, it was it was it just makes life more fun and interesting like right. it, it was like uh i mean today for instance you sent me a text uh i don't know you sent me a text about something else and then like you said hey i'd like to be on your podcast sometime and i was like dude i've been meaning to get you on <laughs> I was like, what are you doing tonight? We could Skype. And you're like, dude, I'll just come come to Columbus. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Let's fucking do it. Like, this literally just happened today. Right. And you're like, I'll bring yeah. bacon. I'm like, cool, dude. I'll make us dinner. Like, I got these vegetables that need to be ate. And then we've yeah. had a good time fellowshipping, man. Right. Like, cats sitting on you, having a good time. Cats or chilled out. Yeah. Pregnant self. Dirty slut cat. Anyways. But that's, that's you know, a lot a lot of this. You know, uh, Rob Kaiser and I, you know, we've we've had... I mean, we we we've had the the we've been blessed to be able to to meet each other, yeah, uh, and go down like some really long, deep rabbit holes, um, and and you know through a lot of that, you realize that you know what you set out and start to do, um, it's okay when that changes because yeah. you know once you get some feedback and you learn a little bit about where you are, where you're at, uh, and where you want to be, you know it, it's you end up improvising and, and adapting. Um, your plan, but you know one one of the great things about having the community of folks who are like minded in this Ohio area. I mean, I'm kind of partial to Ohio because we're all here, but yeah. it seems like there's a lot of guys. I mean, the, the folks that we've met out of out of having the workshops at our place at PV. You know, we've got James Blask who's doing all of our website work, which will be ready probably this month. Yeah. Guys like uh, Dustin Thomas or Dustin Thompson. Uh, Justin Steve, Hunt, Steve, Steve Harbolt, 
you know, Kurt Henry out of Pennsylvania, Rob, yeah. of course. Jeff Powers, who he wants to get into yeah, it, but Jeff, he's doing his own thing. He's holding right. it down in Canada. He hasn't even been able to, like, connect. I mean, the name's gone. John uh, Stupica, yeah. uh, Patrick Thunder. I mean, on and on and on and on. Yeah. It's like um, everyone. Me and, me and Joel kind of came into the fold then, like, right. yeah. last yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, we're all, you know, none of us are experts at anything, but no. we're all guys who are dedicated to make this place a little bit better. And, and and aren't afraid to step outside of the bounds of the current system to do that. Yeah. Um, and that's ultimately that's that's what we kept coming back to, Rob and I and my wife and I when we would talk is like you can do, 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 do I'm you know, uh, there's nothing to it but to do it. That's what my dad always said. It, it's yeah. it, that's that's an old school phrase, right? Yeah. That's that's it's 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 totally true. Once you start doing things um, you, it, it's okay to say, Hey, this is not where I actually want to go Yeah, you know, and not be afraid to, to, to tell people that. But when, when you boil it all down, you know, one, one of the, one of the, the big, uh, takeaways that I had was a quote, um, Masanobu Fukuoka. Uh, and it's when it is understood that one loses joy and happiness and the attempt to possess them, the essence of natural farming will be realized. The ultimate goal of farming is not the growing of crops, but the cultivation and perfection of human beings. Yeah. I mean, that's heavy. That's once you get outside of being the next uh, microgreen king or yeah. the poultry king or the, the pork master, you know, once you realize what actually matters in life, when you realize that you're not going to obtain joy and happiness by trying to possess joy and happiness, like things change. Yeah. Right. And you can live life the way it's meant to be you lived. You can live life with a purpose, man. Right. Do you, um, this is kind of a deep question. And then I want to get into the workshop coming up here. Do you ever feel like, cause I came from like a pretty religious background too. And I like this idea of community. And I like the idea of like fellowshipping and building people and kind of like moving together in this positive direction. But then I didn't like the idea of like the bureaucracy of churches and the politics of churches. Do you ever feel like it was like, you know, you, you, you held on to like the ideals still that, that were great and actually kind of fulfilling from church. And then you just sure. kind of ran with it in your own direction. Yeah, I don't want to say it was my own direction. Uh, my, my grandpa was a pastor. I yeah, grew up yeah, in yeah. a small country church. Um, you know, there as humans, we we there is a yearning uh, to be communal. Yeah, for I mean, sure. it is what right. I mean, um, whether that's a Facebook group now would be like the modern yeah. iteration of that, right? But you have to get out of that group and meet in real and meet space. Otherwise, what's yeah? When we've gone from like digital friends to like flesh and blood, right? Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. Huge difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? But it's it's fun to fellowship. Like I was so excited. I was like, yeah, my friend. You know, yeah, my friend Greg's coming over, and, and like to people at work today, like somebody was like, yeah, I don't know if it's supposed to rain. I don't know if you're gonna do work done in your yard today. And I was like. Yeah, man, my, my buddy Greg's coming over, and they're like, oh, yeah. And I didn't say, like, yeah, we've never met in person, but we've been talking for over a year. Yeah, there's still that weird thing, like, oh, like, uh, uh, we met online, or, like, yeah. online dating. or Dude, still, but like, it's well, like, I've weird. met yeah, I've like, met my best friends through the internet now. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, some of the... Uh, Except for, the, with, like, Joel, Joel's, like, one of the few exceptions. Like, we grew up together. Oh, that I see. That was it, yeah. Right. But then we, we actually reconnected 
through that. Yeah, yeah, through it's, online. It's crazy. Yeah. Because I had talked to yeah. him probably since, uh, I don't know, my junior year of high school. Well, I think a lot, of, a lot of that is you can step outside of you. Yeah. And you can be who you want to be. Yeah. Right? And so, you, you know, we're all guilty of probably a little too much finger courage most of the time. Yeah. You know, and who doesn't portray their Facebook life to be a little more grander than it probably really is. Yeah. You know, but uh, when you when you meet, it's always folks, for me. It's always about looking cool. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, I know that's what the cow pictures were all about. Oh you're right, not, you're not yeah. Cool actually, me. the cow picture. I didn't even take those. Uh, I know it, that you, was that was John. Oh but, yeah, uh, I, it did feel pretty cool to see me actually. Like so, um, so like to to get another like level of sufficiency, we have a dairy cow. Yeah, because my wife's idea. She wanted a dairy cow. Cool. You know, we were getting raw milk from uh, a great farm, uh, Reformation Acres. Uh, Bill and Quinn, and uh, they happened to be selling um, the cow that was our part of our herd share. You know, at the time we were living in town, we can't have a cow. Well, yeah. every, everything works out for a reason. The cow was for sale. We were on the farm. Our pasture wasn't ready. We had no fence. Never raised a cow. Don't know how to milk. Don't know the first thing about first, second, and third cutting hay. But Susan wanted that cow. Yeah. And she knew it was for us, and it all worked out, you know. And we have a cow, you yeah. know, where we're getting delicious raw milk from that she turns into uh, cheese and yogurts and butters. And um, so your wife's pretty crafty. Or she's so. like, uh, yeah, she she is like, uh, she's amazing. Uh, behind every uh, you know good man is an even better wife, yeah. sure, or a better woman. And uh, she, yeah, she's amazing. She has she's definitely supported. Uh, being an, an entrepreneur for all these years, which is not an easy road to hoe. No, um, not knowing where your next paycheck is going to come from. That's not, not if that, that ruins marriages. You know? Oh yeah, for sure. But to be at it 15 years um, and seven kids later, um, yeah, she's yeah, she's the best. And she 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 wanted the cow. We got her the cow. She mm. she took right to the milking and all that. You know, and like you know, I'm lumber squatches, right? I mean, I milk a cow was like. Eh, it sucks. Yeah. And milking a cow is not easy by hand. No, nah, dude. It's hard on your it's hands. It's not. Like you, well, not even that, but like if you're a shorter guy, it's probably a little easier. Yeah. Like bending down and like milking a cow. It's just sound, I'm, I sound like a big wuss. My mom said when she was a little girl, I don't know. My mom, it's so weird because my mom was like really into that shit. Like she'd go down to Kentucky and my, my grandpa's stepmom would like get mad at my mom because she didn't want to milk the cow. So she'd squirt her with the milk. Nice. When she was milking it. That's that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. We're like I just thought we're like not that. paying one electric bill away from being Amish. Yeah. I, swear, I mean, really. Uh, and so I, I was like trying to like help her out here recently and like milk the cow. And of course, the only reason why I wanted to do it was to get her down close. Yeah. So I could squirt that teat up and then zap her <laughs> in the face, which I did, which was awesome. Uh, you know, and so I, and I also wanted the glorious ego picture of me milking a cow. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, looks impressive. It does. It's like, that's what, I mean, that's the cool thing about social media is like some people, what's interesting is some people want to make it look like they have it going on with, you know, just bullshit consumer stuff. And right. then for us, it's like, oh, look at me, I'm broad forking or look right. at me, I'm milking <laughs> a cow. I have dirty fingernails planting <laughs> yeah. broccoli. Yeah. yeah. Glorious. Yeah. Look at me with my jang cedar. Right. Uh, I'm, I, you better be sure that when I start using that greens harvester, there's going to be a video that goes oh, up no for doubt. it. Yeah. yeah, that thing is pretty slick. Yeah, and that, that arugula is ready. I think I got to do that tomorrow. But nice. um, 
So let's talk about Darby's because we're almost here in an hour, and I don't know if uh, you might be driving back home tonight. And that's like over an hour away. So yeah. So uh, so, so uh, Darby reached out and uh, wanted to put together a workshop, and um, based on uh, raising and butchering homestead meats. Of course, yeah. Darby does an, an amazing job um, raising uh, all of his livestock. He has you know grass fed beef, uh, all of his forest raised pork has pastured uh, poultry and turkeys, um, but he does things differently he does than like most people raise all those things. And it's, he does it Salatin style, but now it's more Darby Simpson style. Yeah, right? no, it's not even – it's it's Salatin style. and In my opinion, it's Sal, Salatin style uh, in the fact that uh, the animals are on grass. Um, but like you know, Darby and I are in like very similar zones, biomes. Yeah. Um, and those pens – just don't work in our area. You know, it yeah. gets very hot, very humid with no breeze. Um, and you put, you know, 70 or 80 meat birds in a Salatin style pen. They're, they're going to die. Especially like a, like a, a Cornish cross bird, yeah. which is already like a challenge. They, just, they like Darby. So they just want to die. You know, yeah. we, 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 we've tried some, um, they're, they're challenging for sure. Um, but anyway, so, so he does stuff, but what's cool about what Darby does is Darby is a farmer. Yeah. Like that's his his primary source of income. Yeah. You know, um you know when he wants to, when he needs a little extra cash, he can go back to moonlighting as an engineer for a couple of days a week. And then he's farming full time, right? Um so that's a different method um than than most of everybody is doing primarily cuz it's profitable, right? He's sustaining his family on their farm, on those systems. So there, there is an incredible amount of information to learn uh, from that system, especially like live action in person, right? It's one thing to read a book that was written 15 or 20 years ago. It's another thing to actually go to the farm and like see every aspect and detail, like and grotesque uh, detail, right? Yeah. Because, you know, right, sure, livestock is beautiful. There's always something nasty about it, right? Yeah. You know, the, animals live, they die, they Dar- manure. Darby they said something really. I went to his market. I went to. I went and saw Darby at uh, PV3. Mm, right. Yeah. And something that he said, besides the beyond organic, that really stuck with me was like he said something like, "Let your customers romanticize your farm." Yeah. Because it's like it's not like it was really interesting when he was talking about. Um, You'll be doing things on your farm, and then you're like, "Why the fuck am I doing this? Right. Yep. What What am I thinking? Why do Do I really want to be a farmer? Right. And then, like, once you're done doing, it, you're like, "What the hell was I thinking there? Like, of course I, of course do. I do. Yeah, that just really sucked. Like, I remember uh, when I first harvested that lettuce. Like, this is and like this is nothing compared to trying to move animals or anything. But I remember I was doing it by myself. And I was trying to get everything dried. I don't have my drying racks really built. I don't have my my like my stuff really built or anything like that. And, uh, uh, my washing station. And, uh, I'm like thinking like, I got these totes of lettuce. I don't have enough totes. I don't have like a lot of stuff that I really need. And I'm like, it's really the first time. Like, and it's a lot of lettuce. Like I was surprised how much lettuce I cut. And I was like, man, like this sucks. Like, do I really want to do this farming shit? And I'm like, and it's taken me way longer than I thought it would take me. And then I got done. I went to the the restaurant. I was like, yeah, of course I want to do it. That was, that's pretty awesome. Right. I, I was being a pussy for a little bit, but now I'm like, I'm back to, all the way through. That's fulfilling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. Cause right. Cause it's like your, your ego challenges 
I don't know if it's your ego, but there's a part of you that wants to quit. It's, you're, you're always battling yourself. Yeah, always. that's always always it. And um, and so it's cool to hear even Darby say that. And oh, yeah. um, anyways, I didn't mean to uh, throw a, a throw a, a curveball in the conversation there. So, but the point is, the point is Darby's doing it. Yeah, right? he's doing it. You know, yeah. he's he's a regular guy like all of us. You yeah, know, who who had enough balls to say this is what I'm going to do for my yeah. family, and he and he's doing it. But he's doing it. In a method that's profitable, and yeah. that, that's the key thing. Like not taking advantage of a market or uh, ex- exploiting, you know, uh, impoverished people with no money. That's that's not what it's about. Yeah. He's raising health food for people who need health. Yeah, and and they are rewarding him by paying him money to do that. And that's a system that we need to look at, focus on, and get back to. You Absolutely. know, um, and so. Yeah, so June uh, 9th, 10th, and 11th. June 10th and 11th is is the actual date for the workshop. June 9th um, is the arrival date. Um, but uh, you'll be able to go to – it's, it's at Darby's Farm. You'll be camping out on Darby's Place uh, with a live tour through all of his systems. Everything from uh, brooder uh, for, for the birds uh, to the, the, the actual pasture, his pastured pens. You'll see how his beef is out uh, grazing in the field. Um, but – What's interesting about this workshop is it's really a one of a kind workshop because it's also geared towards homesteaders. Like here's how you can come and actually see all this through from brooder uh, to meat bird pen. Um, but here's how you go from pasture to plate, right? Yeah. And that's another really frightening thing for folks is like how do I put all this time and energy uh, and care into keeping this animal alive? Let's get it into a livestock trailer and get it to a butcher. And then it's like, oh, well, I know our first time it was like really sad to dump our pigs off to the processor because up until that very second you had a hand in that animal's life and then you're hanging to somebody else. Yeah. You know, as great as they are, you don't know how they're caring for the animal. What are those last minutes or seconds life like for that animal? Um, so when you can see that process all the way through, you know, whether it's for your homestead table um, you know, for poultry or for poultry, if it's for your, uh, you know, your profitable poultry meat bird business, yeah. you know, we're showing folks how to raise them, but also butcher them. You know, we're doing with equipment that, um, that's, that's easily attainable for all homesteaders. Um, all, you know, uh, as simple as, uh, kitchen shears, uh, and no equipment for a quick rooster or a hen, um, that needs to go. Cause it happens, you know, you'll have one day, a bird's not doing well. There are other pecking eggs or it just has to go. Right. So, you don't have time to pull out, you know, the scalder and the plucker and the chill tanks and the visceration table and all that equipment. But we're also going to bring all that out, too. So if you're raising meat birds or have a big batch of birds to go, we're going to show you how to do it all the way that way as well. Um, so uh, on top of that, um, you're going to have uh, Seth Ross there is going to be there uh, teaching and demonstrating how to do pastured rabbits in a tractor system and how to build a tractor, which is like really excellent. Absolutely. Um, so there's like a jam-packed weekend. Uh, uh, Mr. Higginbotham's going to be there uh, showing folks how to build a killing cone. Um, there's another step of the homesteading skill that you need. Um, and then also uh, Patrick Gorman from NT Knives um, is, is going to be there uh, doing a knife sharpening uh, class, which is like you can't do any of this without a sharp knife, right? Yeah. Um, and so he has, I mean, amazing products. He's, you know... If you're not familiar with him, all this is, is TSP uh, neck knives, which is like it seems to be like if you go to any TSP event, 
everyone like walks around with neck knives, right? Yeah, they are Steve, super cool. Steve always has his. Yeah, neck they're, they're 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 slick, and he makes he makes those are great. Um, so so he'll be there. Um, uh, Jesse from Perma Ethos, uh, he was there for a long time. Um, he'll be there helping out with all of us too. Uh, great guy. Um, and then of course Rob Kaiser is going to be emceeing uh, the barter blanket, which will be the last night, um, which is pretty cool. So I mean I don't know how you could you could. You can't jam pack any more things yeah. into one week, and it's gonna and, be huge. And another really cool thing too that is, you get the you get the binder that has everybody's presentations. Right. Yep. Um, and I know I would love to be able to go. I'm super busy with my first year doing this farming right, thing, but right. I would I I can't really miss a farmers market. But if you guys who are listening are in this area, I I think it's well worth it. I got so much out of Darby's four-hour presentation mm. that he really yeah. had about two more hours of giving you like real advice on farmers markets real life stuff yeah real life stuff um you know just hanging out i, I honestly i wanted to go just to hang out like because it's, it's so many cool people it's, yeah it's, there's so many cool the networking people, man. aspect is, is is worth the price of admission absolutely it's not it's not even that much um so and there's and there's limited seats, guys. So definitely you want to sign ups are done June first. Yeah, so you want to make sure that you guys sign up right away. This podcast is gonna go out there really quick. Right. Yep. So there there'll be a few days left before the sign ups are, are are closed. Yeah. Um. So we're trying to get everybody in a seat uh, as best we can. Uh, but those sign ups are done June first. Um. So yeah, I don't I can't speak highly enough for the workshop. There's gonna be a lot going on. Um, but you know, if, if you are a homesteader or a small farmer or, you, or even just interested in learning yeah, or, you just, or you just want to be more self-sufficient, you know, either hands on or just for the education, you know, this, this, this workshop is for you. Like I said, we're going to teach you how to, how to raise the animal and butcher it for your homestead table. Um, so we're going to see it, see it all the way through. One of the meals that night is going to be the hog that we butcher. So that's going to be really cool. That's really cool. Um, so, and there's a chef that's going to be there too that oh, Darby's partnering up. He with. He was there last year at the last workshop. Yeah, phenomenal food, great guy. Um, so you know, outside of all of the knife um, sharpening class too, which we I mean, it's, it's, about. Yeah, yeah it's, there's a lot of we, stuff. Yeah, we could spend all the rest of the night on how <laughs> cool um, it's going to be. But ultimately, we need we need folks to to to, to get signed up, get those seats all the way filled, um, and it's going to be it's going to be one heck of a time. So um, it, it'll be really cool. Awesome. Well, Greg Burns, if people want to follow your work and they want to stay in touch with you, what's the best way for people to to watch what's how things are progressing on your homestead, keep in touch with you, um, maybe if they're they're close to you, buy a pig off you or buy some meat off you right? or get eggs. What's the best way for people to do yeah, that? Yeah, right now, uh, like I said, James Blask out of Ohio, a local permit, he's, he's working on our website right now. Um, that should be uh, wrapped up probably this month. So for right now, uh, the best way is Facebook at Nature's Image Farm, uh, Instagram at Nature's Image Farm. Uh, shoot me an email at Nature's Image Farm at Gmail dot com. There's also a pretty good YouTube page. Our YouTube channel has yeah. a few videos of all that. You can call me on my cell phone at eight six seven five three zero nine nine. That that would work too. But uh, yeah, yeah, keep an eye out. Um, I think as far as this year, I think we only have one or two pigs left, and we're done uh, as yeah. far as to sell. And, uh, of course, we have uh, heritage breed uh, non-GMO pastured meat birds Yeah, that'll be ready um, here towards July. 
uh, meat, meat ducks, and of course, uh, all the pastured non-GMO uh, duck and chicken eggs, um, and also uh, pastured non-GMO heritage breed turkeys. Um, so um, we're going to be letting all those loose uh, for uh, the signups, and they go quick, which is great. And while we close, we need to really preface something about turkeys. There was somebody big in the voluntary movement who released a video that said turkey eggs weren't good. That's nonsense. It is nonsense. I've so, never met an egg I didn't like. <laughs> I've never had an ostrich egg. Yeah. Or have I? They they look delicious. They're huge. I mean, turkey eggs are just hard to find, right? They're just hard to find. A turkey egg. Well, I mean, a turkey. You know. Um, I've never raised like a conventional breed, yeah. just like heritage birds, you know, so they fly, they forage, they're, they're all over the place. So, yeah. you know, when, when they lay an egg, it's, you're going on, on, on an egg hunt, but yeah. that's the beauty. You let them do the work for you. Um, but I've never met an egg I didn't like. Yeah. So, so there's that. What, do, what out of all eggs do you think tastes the best egg? Duck eggs, Me hands too. down. There's no I think comparison. that yolk is so much sweeter. The yolk like is so much richer. The whites are fluffy and rich. Yeah. Um, and there's that when you hit that on a cast iron skillet with a little bit of lard or, or, or real raw well, milk, some, some of your bacon too. Some of your bacon, Laura. Forget about we, it. It'll be the best duck your gums. Today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, definitely thank you guys so much for listening. Go to darbysimpson.com to sign up for the workshop. Also, if you like this permy stuff that we were talking about. You still get 20% off if you go to newfarmsupply.com with code word SAMPLE and save 20% off for whatever Grant has there. So take advantage of that. Also, if you like urban farming like me, there's a link that's going to be in the show notes that you can save $100 off Curtis Stone's course. Pretty good deal. Or you can just sign up for the payment plan. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. Greg, anything you want to add to close it out? There's nothing to it but to do it. That's right. All right, guys. See ya.